But you know, son, I just figured it was all a bunch of hooey. Hooey? Huh. As in hogwash, malarkey, jive, an intentional fabrication. There you go. Now you got it. Do you know why that you're the guest judge this week? Why, Charlie? Why am I the guest judge? Because this challenge that we're going to do is all about the metagame. Can you tell me what the metagame is? Well, to me, the metagame means the current strategies and the current card combinations that people are using to get success in this game. And the meta can shift within your local groups where certain people will play certain cards and then and, and others will play the same cards. And when the, when it shifts, then, then people grab different cards out of their binders and start playing them. People will shift and use those cards. And the overall meta of the whole game is what affiliations are being used the most and what cards in those affiliations are affiliations are being used the most and, and which decks are the most powerful and which ones are the least powerful and, and it's all about playing and trying to figure out what is the best combinations of cards to use to gain the most success. Part of that is also the inverse and part of the metagame is what's not winning and what people aren't using and, and the real difficult part about the metagame is trying to figure out why the meta is the way it is. For example, in San Diego, they have something where they get bonus points or special prizes for never playing the same headquarters twice. Right. So that's a difficult place to gauge the metagame because they're intentionally playing different stuff over and over. But if you look at their dilemma piles, that's going to tell you a lot about their metagame because they're going to know what certain people like to play and everything. And then I'm willing to bet when they go to a regional... People play their best decks. So well, sure. looking at locals is useful, but it's really in the high-level tournaments, the regionals, the nationals, continentals. Bring out their, their and, secret stuff. Yeah, and that's when you really find out where the game is. You know, three years ago, it was all Borg Fetties, all Borg and all TNG solvers. Right. Last year, as you well know, it was Klingon, Klingon, Klingon. The Klingons took the day. Three, four weeks ago, it was mot, 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 mot. Right now is the time when we're going to get the most information about what's good and what's not. Setting that aside, in your opinion, as an experienced player who plays in one of the more active areas, uh-huh. what's good and what's not right now? Well, I, I wish I could say I was obligated to say I think Klingons are the best, but I just want to say that because I, I actually think Klingons are the best. They're so rock solid in all dimensions that a good Klingon deck played by a good player is is really difficult to beat. I think with the additions to the Cardassians uh, in, the, in the latest couple of virtual sets, I think Cardassians have, have punched their way all the way up to Tier 1. I think a, a good Cardassian deck played by a good player is also just about unstoppable unless you know what to do to beat it. The meta is shifting away from small Federation speed decks because the dilemmas have shifted to punish small, fast Federation decks. There's a couple of different dilemmas in the game that just rip up those little decks where where you spend nine counters to play nine people, play four counters to play a ship, and go attempt a mission. A lot of your guys are going to 
die or be removed from the attempt or be stopped with very, very few dilemmas. That's true, but I still don't think that you can count out TNG Federation as a likely candidate to win events. They're just so good at solving missions. It's still tough to beat them. I mean, there are... There is Federation hate, moral choice, for example, where there isn't specific hate for a lot of other affiliations, but James T. Kirk is just really good. TNG has solid, good people with good attributes and good skills. They have good sets of missions. Unless I'm teching to build, to beat a specific person, and I know what they're playing, TNG is always my benchmark. I'm always out to beat a solid TNG deck. That That is my goal, is, is to beat that deck. So there's enough dilemmas in there that take out either big people, like TNG seem to be really polarized on their people. I know there's a whole ton of cost three people, but when I end up building TNG decks, I use a lot of cost one and two personnel with a couple of cost five and six people for spice. I mean, there's just there's just nothing cooler than dropping down data and saying, all right, the robot goes over and does the mission. What do you do about it? You have a couple of cards to pull out those, those big personnel, and then you have a couple of stoppers that stop the, the little cost one personnel. Then I just make sure that I have enough dilemmas that will stop everything else as well. There's always some stuff in there that'll target either a bunch of cost one guys or big cost a million guys. Because that's what I'm always afraid of, is the TNG deck that just, just barps out guys and does just punches through missions. What's out there that you wouldn't worry about? I want to say that I think overall the game is pretty healthy. A good player can win using a lot of different decks. That I, I could only probably count a handful of specific decks that I don't think are, are would put odds on winning worlds. When, when I sit down in front of an opponent, there's no affiliation that I don't fear. Barring the Cruise versus Voyager matchup, uh, other than that, there isn't really a an affiliation that I think is, is so weak that I would not take the game seriously. All of the affiliations that I can see have their strengths and their weaknesses. Depending on how well a person can play a respective affiliation, I think that that player can find a lot of success as long as they're able to uh, be very efficient with what is available. So it's not so much the, the headquarters that I see across the table, it's the player that I see across the table and how confident they look uh, with the specific cards. And then, of course, the, the other factor of, of what cards are they going to be using, what, what, what are the most efficient cards for that uh, affiliation, and, and, and are, am I going to see them? Those are more of a determination of, of how strong or weak a current deck or a strategy, I think, is, is actually going to be. There are probably a couple different decks or affiliations out there that are weaker than the other ones, just because they don't get played enough or they don't have the same tools to compete. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say that I think Bajorans got weakened a little bit with uh, Infinite Diversity because the best Bajoran deck, and there's a couple different ones, but really the best Bajoran decks that are out there were the the Basotromac micro-teaming or the Integrity micro-teaming, and both of those are going to be hurt by Transport Crash right. Survivor. I think the Bajorans are going to be weakened this con season, this, ter- this championship season, simply because their best decks just got inadvertently hurt. And, and it's sort of a collateral damage situation. It's sort of unfortunate, but n- now I... it's, it's really an opportunity for the design teams and the the contestants to boost the Bajorans by giving them some new tools. There are obvious decks out there that aren't getting played 
for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what the reason is. There are reasons that, for example, future holograms don't get played in a Voyager deck. There are reasons that Terraknor doesn't get played. And it doesn't matter what those reasons are. Those decks aren't in the metagame right now because they're not being played. And it's, right. while it's always possible that somebody could show up at Continentals with a future Voyager hologram deck and just beat the living pants off everybody because they're doing it in some new and innovative way, statistically that's not likely because that deck isn't being played much. I think it's, it's, it's just a matter of the efficiency of the tools that each affiliation has until people figure out how to be the most efficient with the tools that are available for any given affiliation, then that affiliation is going to do very well. Like you were saying, uh, Voyager holograms aren't, aren't really being played. When someone figures out how to make, how to be able to get the Voyager holograms to stat Voyager consistently without a problem, and how to be able to get those guys to rock and roll through missions, if someone comes up with a good, solid mix of how to do that without running into some pitfalls, then I think that affiliation will pick up. Tracknor Dissident deck relies very, very heavily on lots of rare cards from two very, very hard-to-find expansions, Necessary Evil and Reflections 2.0. So not very many people are going to play that ever, because only the people that were playing when those came out and that bought a lot of it are going to have the cards to really put it together. We, as the Continuing Committee, could make all of those cards promos or printable, and that may automatically make that deck more popular in the metagame because everybody can play it now. You can adjust the metagame that way, but the, the more common way that the metagame gets adjusted is through the release of new cards. Our mission is to go forward, and it's just begun. Set velocity, warp six, Mr. LaForge. Aye, sir, warp six. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Miss LaForge, engage. And that's what challenge number eight is all about. It's adjusting the metagame. Before we give you the challenge, do some research and go back and look at the expansions sort of in order. And if you've played a long time, go back and think about when the metagame changed. One of the first, obviously, Call of Arms changed the meta because it put Borg and it put Dominion in, in the game. And the same can be said of every expansion that's released cards. But look at Reflections. Change the meta hugely because it made the Borg a dominant force because it gave them annexation drone. Well, a good example of the metagame shifting is like uh, Jean-Luc Picard Vintner. In, in, in one set, the, the original Picard is very powerful, and then in the next set, this new little crappy Picard comes out with this really sweet ability. And then in the next set, this dilemma comes out that specifically hurts a deck with Vintner in it. So that's a good example of how the meta shifts from, from set to set. And, you know, moral choice gets written and put out there because the Federation is, is very, very dominant. Transport Crash Survivor gets written and, and released because micro-teaming is too dominant and evades the core of the game. I, I really think that we haven't harped on research too much, but this is a good challenge where you guys should be spending some time researching cards that change the meta and how they change the meta. And, and the easiest and simplest way to do that is to just start with Premiere and look you know, do some thought experiments and just figure out how the game has changed via the release of new cards and, and the ebb and flow of what's popular and what's not. This challenge is all about adjusting the metagame. What is challenge number eight? Create nine cards 
that are designed to adjust the current metagame, such as that at least one card hurts an existing strong deck, and at least one card boosts an existing weak deck. So this is kind of something the Continuing Committee has been doing in the last couple of sets. It's something that designers do for every card game ever made. You always make new cards that adjust where the game is. Sometimes you release new stuff because you're adding a faction of the game, like we did with oh. the Zindi a couple challenges ago. Even them, you know, the, game, the cards aren't being introduced into a vacuum, so every time you introduce them, it's changing the way the game is. But in this case, we're talking about specifically creating cards that are going to hurt or boost existing decks. And, and to use a, a flawed analogy, it's like creating a referee card in first edition. Although second edition doesn't really do that. You know, we're not, I don't want to see a card that has, if your opponent plays James T. Kirk or Rega or this guy or this guy, score five points. That's, that's bad. You don't want to do that. But, for example... In a way, Hypospray adjusts the meta by giving you another weapon against a tragic turn deck. It not only stops somebody from dying, which stops somebody else from dying, but it stops two people, which means your opponent who's playing tragic turn is putting a lot of dilemmas under and not killing as many people as he would like, because you're stopping oh. them, so they're still going to be around next time. What I mean is, is that this challenge is going to be straight out of the dream card file. Because this is the challenge that a lot of people think of when they think of designing cards. They think of designing cards that either boost strategies that they want to see boosted, or a card that just acts like a stick for for strategies that they have been beat by. So this is kind of one of the one of the pillars of of card design when people think of card design. Right. And to preemptively answer a question. This set of cards that's going to be released is going to be released, if it were to be released, it would be released after Infinite Diversity. The cards in Infinite Diversity are in the meta when you're making these cards. So you don't need to be making a lot of hate on Goval and that kind of stuff, because they've already gotten hated on, so to speak, with the mission. Pretty significantly. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is actually, this points out an interesting difficulty of design, meaning, you know, right now we're designing the next expansion. Brad and his team are putting together working on the next expansion. But regionals and stuff are still going on, and the next expansion is probably going to come out sometime around Gen Con, which is, you know, before Worlds. So there's, there's like, lag time, meaning if something starts really dominating around July, the, the next expansion's already mostly finished at that point and you can maybe slip in one card that adjusts it but you can't build a whole bunch of meta adjusting cards in at that point so there, there's a lag all right neil off the top of your head you have to uh, make it you got to make at least one card that hurts a, a good deck and one card that boosts a not so good deck right not not getting into specific cards but what right. deck would you hurt and what deck would you help what deck would i hurt gosh I, I personally still think that Klingons haven't really been hurt all that bad, so I would find a card to hurt the Klingon deck. Okay, and I'm, what would I'm you to, boost? As a as a player, I would to, to make a card to boost an affiliation. I'd probably either target uh, either the Romulans or the or Starfleet, maybe closer to Starfleet. But I think those two affiliations, I just don't see them in the in the top tier doing really well. I, I see those affiliations being brought to tournament now and then, but they, they never end up doing all that well. Uh, they, they might need some, some grease. 
I don't I don't necessarily agree with you on Starfleet. I think that they're a dark horse. I think that they the future Enterprise stuff that was released in Allegiance is exceedingly powerful and people have been hinting around with how good it is, but somebody is going to strike the right balance of those cards and support cards and they're going to be a dark horse. I would think that you could win a lot of money betting on them to win worlds because I don't think that many people are going to know it yet, but I think that they're good. So, And obviously, this isn't entirely subject to your local metas and your perception of what's good and what's not. That's actually a really great example, just our conversation there about what I was saying earlier, that, that I, never, I never write off any affiliation when someone drops a headquarters down because there's, there's tools in every affiliation's toolbox and all it takes is some guy to get the right combination of tools together, and all of a sudden, we have ourselves a new Tier 1 deck. What I'm going to be looking for in this challenge is it, to, to give out extra points for, for people who can create cards, uh, a, a, any one of the nine cards that not only adjust the meta, but, that, but serve dual purpose. Uh, for, for example, uh, like creating a mission, like, like Transport Crash Survivor is not the greatest card to create for this challenge because while it does it, it will adjust the meta one direction it's not necessarily going to help you, you as a person who has to play transport crash survivor because it's either a mission you can't do or it's very difficult to do or you might not plan on doing it so it's just going to take up a, a mission slot and sit there for the whole game and not do anything except for protect against micro teaming I, I don't know if i agree with you one of the criticisms of the virtual cards has been that they're um, dual purpose and that they're too they're trying to do too much. I think you can run into a lot of trouble. So I understand what your point is mm-hmm. that if you make a mission that just hurts micro teams, it doesn't really help you because it might not fit into what you're trying to do. Like Tain, for example, you can't use that mission and a Cardassian Tain deck because it doesn't require intelligence. I would suggest just looking at what the teams have made for the last couple challenges to make personnel. Or ships before you make every, anything else. That's a great suggestion. Ships are kind of the, the catch-all because obviously to do missions you need ships to transport your personnel back and forth. And I mean this is Star Trek. Cool. There's cool ships in space. So ships are a good starting place. Personnel are, are a great way to boost uh, low affiliations by giving them better than average personnel and, and or using personnel to punish your opponent. Right, and that's, that's really what I'm hinting at is that if you make a personnel that has an ability that hurts what you're trying to stop, at the very least you still a personnel that you can use to solve missions. You may make a personnel that has four skills and decent attributes and, and costs four because he has a, a, a hate on Klingon ability, but if you're not playing Klingons, at least he's still a personnel that you can use. Whereas if you make yeah. an interrupt or an event that hates on Klingons, if your opponent's not playing Klingons, it's either a wasted card or you have to give it some other function to make it useful, and then you've got a more complicated card. I think a good example would be uh, the Bashir Founder that you can play aboard your opponent's ship. Because, yeah, he's a great stick that you can use to beat your opponent over the head with. But on the other hand, if, you're, if, if you don't need to play him aboard your opponent's ship or you never get an opportunity or your opponent is, is mirror-matched and plays his own Bashir Founder, well, you can always just play him. He's a cheap guy he's, who's got some decent stats and, and some pretty good skills. That would be a good card that, that would satisfy all sorts of, of pro- problems and not become a dead card. And the other reason I would suggest personnel is because there's been a, a definite slant towards making events and interrupts 
on the team's challenges so far, except for the Zindi challenge. And, you know, these cards are going to need to go into your final Project Xavier. You need to make some more personnel. Take a look at personnel before you look at something else. It's not to say that you can't make an event and interrupt or a dilemma. In fact, dilemmas are great meta controls, too. You should really look at making dilemmas. If, if you're in doubt about what to do, look at a personnel. But other than that, there's not really any rules to this challenge other than to create one limiter and one booster yep. and nine total cards. Getting from there to here, it's been a long time, but my time is finally... Well, that is all that we have for you this week. Neil and I will be back next time to talk about the first impressions of your entries. I'm Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Simmons. And in the immortal words of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, make it so. The Make It So podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org. Some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you podsafe free from Mebio's Music Alley. For more information, visit www.musicalley.com. Make it so. The search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuum Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information, please visit www.treckcc.org, www.trekcc.org. Captain, they're back.